Welcome to Rise Above Your Mind, a podcast dedicated to education, advocacy, and support for topics related to mental health and all challenges and obstacles that are found in the world today. Welcome back to another episode of Rise Above Your Mind. Today, we're joined by Kelsey Isman, if you just want to introduce yourself real quick. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm Kelsey Isman. Um, I am a rising junior at Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. I am on the swim team there, and I am also a campus captain for The Hidden Opponent, and I am a former intern for Our Minds Matter, another mental health organization. Yeah, super excited to have you here today. Um, Obviously, like you said, you've been involved in multiple different mental health organizations and have always been really passionate about being an advocate for that, which is awesome. We need more of that in the world. The more the merrier when it comes to mental health advocacy. So we're just going to jump right in today and really going to focus on a topic that kind of builds off some things that I've talked about in previous episodes, but really want to dive into the aspect of self-care and taking time to really focus on yourself, taking time to accept who you are, taking time to realize that you're unique, that you have a purpose and not, you know, letting all of these outside sources, social media, athletics, relationships, friendships affect who we are and what we do. So within the last couple of months, you started an Instagram page that focused on self-care with Kels, which is a great name, really kind of gets to the point. And I've always enjoyed seeing your posts and just kind of spreading that positivity and that message. So do you just want to dive into how you started that? What, you know, inspired you, motivated you to start that page and the importance of that page to you and the message that you really want to spread and keep promoting on social media and in the world? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so I started self-love with Kels a few weeks or a few months ago, probably. And it's it's been a really fun project. I kind of started it because I'm definitely the kind of person that when I'm struggling, I don't want anyone to see it. When I'm not feeling great about myself, I want to put out the, me- I wanted to put up the image that I was just killing it. And, you know, I realized that that just wasn't helping my mental health. And especially during quarantine, when I didn't really have access to a pool, my body image wasn't great. My mental health was really suffering. And I realized just how easy it was to fall in this trap of thinking that everyone is, everyone's social media is representative of how they're actually doing. And I think social media can get a really bad rep about, you know, causing people to be insecure or to have poor body image or to, you know, fall into mental illness. But I also think that if we can sort of change the narrative around social media and use it as a way to actually share what's going on in our in our lives and actually share vulnerable and, you know, real things that we're up to and we're thinking it could be a really good tool in terms of body image and mental health. So I've just been using it to try and, you know, share realistic pictures of my body or realistic um, thoughts that I've had about body image or mental health. And using it as a way to say, yeah, today wasn't a great day, or here was my little victory today, even though, you know, I'm not out changing the world every day, or I'm, you know, we haven't been competing in something because of COVID. So I'm not out like breaking records, going best times, but, you know, I'm here 
conquering my injury or I'm here like feeling confident in a swimsuit when I haven't in a while or I'm here you know just sort of making it through the day and it's been a really good tool for me it was more therapeutic for me than I thought it might be but it's also been really nice to hear that other people have found it helpful to you know read what I'm thinking because you kind of forget how how likely it is that someone else is having the same insecurity or the same just thought in general about their mental health Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of building off of that, like self-love, self-care, when people think about that with athletics, I think they instantly think of like, oh, like taking a rest day or like doing yoga instead of like a workout or taking a light practice and stuff like that. But it goes so much further than that. It's it's a constant day-to-day thing that you have to incorporate in your life. For me, I've always struggled with the whole self-care, self-love mentality because I've always thought that I had to put 110% of myself into my sport at all times, no ifs, ands, or buts. And since I've joined the Hidden Opponent, since you know I've seen what Vic posts, what you post, stuff like that, where it's like, hey, today was not a great day, but we're working on it. You know, like today was I had a rough body image day or I struggled. I didn't eat anything today and stuff like that. And this is something that my dad has always told me my whole life. And he always says the first step to overcoming something is realizing that you have a problem, realizing that something is wrong. If you don't accept that, if you don't accept that something is wrong, then you can't fix that. You can't get over that obstacle that's holding you back. And so for me, I was always like, oh, I don't need to, you know, practice this self-love, this self-care mentality because I'll just I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'll get over it. It'll go away in a couple of days, whatever. And it just built up that that stress, that anxiety, it just built up inside of me. And I'm sure like you said this is this became a therapeutic page for you. It became a way for you to kind of relieve that stress, that pressure to just say, Hey, this is me. This is authentically me and everything I do. And I'm going to share it with you guys so that you guys can see that social media is not just a highlight reel. You know, social media is not just a, today was an amazing day. Let me post about it. Oh, today was a rough day. I'm just going to leave my page blank. It's those kind of things where you realize that you're letting all of this build up and you need a way to release it, a way to kind of not necessarily escape, but in a sense to escape the pressure, like to escape the buildup. And personally, I've been extremely inspired by your page, your posts, all of that. And like last episode I mentioned, you know, you had inspired me. I think this was maybe even yesterday or two days ago, I posted on Instagram for the first time in like six months. And I was just like, Hey, here's a random photo dump of 10 pictures from this summer of just me enjoying life and being authentic. You know, it doesn't need to be the perfect, Oh, here's my soccer picture. And here's this professional photo. Like I was just living my life and, you know, being authentic with that. And then, you know, in return, you posted, like you texted me earlier that you posted a reel today that you had saved for some time now. And, you know, uh, you inspired me. And then through that, because I, you know, did something with that inspiration, then it went back to you and you were able to find that inspiration as well. And I think that's the biggest thing for me with this 
movement of promoting self-love and self-care, especially in athletics, is the more it's discussed, the more it grows. I don't know if you kind of want to build off of that. And obviously you've kind of built a community of people that have been able to support you. Like the THO interns. I remember when you started this page, you were like, Hey guys, I'm doing this. Like if you guys want to follow along and we were all just like, Oh, 100%. Like we've got your back. Let's, let's, you know, get on the self-love with Kel's train. So I don't know if you just kind of want to build off that and talk about your experience kind of getting started. And I guess just like what that community of self-love, self-care, like how that has affected your mental health. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's like you said, it the, just the sort of butterfly effect of, I didn't, I didn't really realize that me posting something could inspire you to post something which could inspire me or someone else to post something else. Like it, it didn't, it was one of those things that I was kind of like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with Victoria Garrick. Like I want to be a mini Victoria Garrick. Like this is so cool. She's so cool. I want to be just like her. And, you know, of course I'm still like obsessed with Victoria Garrick. She's the coolest person ever, but I didn't really like process the fact that maybe starting this account could actually affect someone else or affect myself that way. Um, and, and it's interesting. I did, um, a, a panel event a few months ago, um, with an organization called lead peace org. And they had a couple guests about, you know, teen mental health and young adult mental health. And one of the questions they asked was how do you, you know, keep, keep doing this stuff when it feels like it's not making a difference. And it was really interesting to hear what everyone said, because in my head, I was like, it's so hard when you think that like, maybe it's not making a difference until you realize it makes a difference to one person. Like it just takes one person saying, this is, this is something that's helped me. This is something that made me smile. This is something that got me through the day that, you know, whatever the case may be that you're like, Oh, okay, this is worth it. This is worth my time. This is worth my effort. And some days that person's going to be you when you're like, Oh, I posted this today it made me feel really confident. It made me really feel authentic. It made me feel, you know, whatever the emotion may be. And sometimes it's going to be one other person saying, yeah, I really like that post. This really helped me. This really, you know, inspired me. And I think having that sort of um, community, as you put it, just is, is so comforting to know that there's other people that are feeling the same way and that are also getting something out of, you know, these posts that are often really difficult to make. Like, I don't, I don't think I fully understand or understood rather like how difficult it was to put yourself out there in that way until I was like, oh, what if what if no one comments on it? What if no one likes it? What if what if someone's like, oh, this is stupid, you know, like and then I started doing it. And I was like, wow, this is really hard. And there's some days where I'm like, yeah, I really just don't don't feel like posting this today. I don't feel like being my most authentic self today. And it's it's a hard you know, barrier to overcome, but I think it's also, um, it's a good way to just push myself to actually, you know, be that authentic person. Because I think part of the reason that during COVID and, you know, in the past few years, my mental health has suffered. It's been because of, like you said, the highlight reel, it's easy to think like, Oh, everyone else is having this great time. Everyone else is thriving. They're doing this, this, and this. And I'm just here and I'm suffering. I'm anxious, I'm depressed. I'm, you know, whatever the case may be. So 
it's it's very challenging but it's super rewarding when you feel like you're actually making a difference in your own life or in someone else's life or both and i've i've had the same experience in terms of the podcast and rise above your mind as a whole where i have days where i'll be like oh i really don't want to you know spend a couple hours editing this week's episode and getting the cover done and like all of that And it's just like, I have all these other things to do with research and work and responsibilities for campus. And then I record an episode and I get it out there and I've gotten messages from people that are like, oh, I loved this week's episode. Like it really inspired me to do this, or it really helped me with this. And like when you texted me this week and you were like, oh, you inspired me. Like I'm going to post this that I've been holding in my drafts for X amount of time now. And it's those little things that just remind you of how worth it it is. Like, I know today you posted that reel. I saw there was somebody, some troll that commented oh, yeah. and was, they were saying all of this stuff that honestly, when I went and read it, I was like, this doesn't even like grammatically make sense to no, me. Literally, but- I didn't even know what mean <laughs> thing they were trying to say, but it was just like, they were just, they were just trying to cause drama. And those are, like you said, it can be challenging some days. And those are the kind of people that make it so difficult because the problem with being authentic, the problem with, like we talked about with Victoria, her, her real post, her, Hey, this is me. This is authentic. Is that sometimes there's people on social media that are going to troll people. And there's people that are going to see that you posted, you know, a picture of you in your swimsuit and you're like, oh, this is posed versus not posed and we're being authentic. And they'll make comments that don't have any place on social media that is clearly just them trying to cause a scene. And the problem with that is that it pushes people away from being their authentic self. If I posted a picture of myself And maybe it was something that, you know, I wasn't super comfortable posting, but I was like, you know what, I need to break out of my comfort zone and be my, my true self. And people commented on it and they were like, oh, you shouldn't have posted this. Like this, this isn't something that you need to put on social media, all of that. It would make me, you know, question myself the next time I went to do something like that. And that's why it's so important to keep uplifting those people, to keep supporting the people in our lives who may be struggling with body image or self-care, feeling like they're good enough, feeling valid, feeling validated within like their community, within the people that they're around. And I feel like that's definitely common in athletics. You know, I have those days where I'm doubting myself. I have those days where I'm like, is this really, you know, worth the time commitment? Is it really helping people? And then all of a sudden I take a step back and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe, you know, I need to keep going with this. And that's, that's definitely, like I said, the challenge is getting over those, getting over the people that are going to push you down, the people that are going to really stick to that social media aspect of the highlight reel. And those are the things that we need to break out of in order to keep, you know, the self-love, the self-care, the positive body image movement progressing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with everything you just put out there. I also think that it's worth mentioning that, like, I think part of the reason I waited so long to, you know, start this account was I was like, 
I was very insecure about the fact that maybe I didn't have anything to say. And, you know, my, my, in my head, I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm not that anxious, you know, I'm not that depressed. Like I have poor body image, but you know, it's not, it's not that bad. And I actually, I had a family member who was going through a really horrible battle with anorexia and she's still fighting anorexia. And I remember thinking to myself, well, like I wasn't hospitalized. I wasn't in a residential treatment center. You know, I wasn't so depressed that I couldn't function. Like, even though my mental health and my body image and my self-worth, you know, in the past couple of years have been worse than they've ever been. So it was kind of like this, this dilemma in my head of like, oh, well, I want to be more authentic. I want to be, you know, sharing, you know, more stuff about my mental health and mental illness experience, but also like, is anyone really going to care what I have to say? Like, is it worth me putting this out there and going through all this like mental energy? It's, it's a, you know, tiring thing mentally to put yourself out there in that way. And I was like, is it really going to be worth it? Like, or are people going to look at it? Like, why, why did she do that? Why is she, why is she thinking this way? Like, what, wh- what's the point of this? Yeah. And I, kinda I, to like- I catch myself doing the same, the yeah. exact same thing where I'm, I'm like, oh, is this, you know, like, is, am I, am I really like a, a good enough person like yeah. to, to, to try and be an advocate for this? And I do, I do the same thing with the podcast. In fact, I started it, recorded like two, three episodes and then took like a month and a half break because I, I was sitting here and I was like, there's other podcasts out there that if people want to listen to about, you know, student athlete mental health, if people want to listen about this, this, and this, there's, there's better stuff out there. It's, it's not like, I'm not making an impact. And I took like that month and a half off where I didn't record any episodes with anybody. I kind of took a break from it. And then I recorded the solo episode where I really just dove into my personal mental health journey and talked about what I've been through, which was awesome, and, by the way, it was such a good episode. It might've been my favorite, but continue. <laughs> no, thank you. I really appreciate that. And it was when I recorded that episode and Leanne can vouch for this. I've been trying to write my, my journey, my mental health story, put it into words, like create a post, create something so that, you know, I can share it on THO. And it can be posted and on one of our blogs and all that. And I have probably written, deleted, erased, rewritten that story like 30 times since October when I first reached out to Leanne about sharing my story because I'm constantly like, ah, this isn't how I want it to sound. This isn't, this isn't who I am in my story. And so I finally just sat down and just turned on my microphone and just talked. And I was like, this is my story. This is what I've been through. And it made me realize this is something that's so common in the world, in athletics, in at schools. Like this is a really common thing for students is comparing our problems with other people's problems. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, exactly how it feels, because I sit here and I'm like, oh, well, this person like, yeah, I have an eating disorder, but you know, I wasn't hospitalized for it. Like you said, like with depression, anxiety, like, oh, I was never hospitalized from eating disorder. So do I have the right to have an episode about eating disorders? Like, am I deserving of, of holding that pressure? And 
you know, I have been hospitalized for my depression and my anxiety before, but you know, there's people that have it worse than me, like, and stuff like that. And always comparing my problems with other people's and invalidating my feelings. And I've been trying to do this, this self-talk um, that really Mads has been, you know, kind of inspiring me with, with her page, the, the positive self-talk where I'm like, I, whenever I'm feeling like that, I say to myself, like, you're allowed to feel exactly how you feel. That's kind of, that's kind of like my go-to saying where I'm like, I'm allowed to feel exactly how I feel. I, I just, because somebody else has it worse, doesn't mean that my problems aren't valid. Doesn't mean that I still need to work on being authentic. Doesn't mean that I still need to try and not let my problems build up and, and work on, you know, self-love and, like you, like you were just talking about, you know, you have this pressure where you're like, if I create an Instagram page, like, is it really going to make a difference? Am I the kind of person that like should have a page like this? And the answer is 100% yes. By the way, your page is incredible. I think you're probably like up to almost like 20 posts now. And so, yeah. I know for a fact, I've, I've looked at every single one. And when I see them, I'm like, you know what? I can do this. Like I, I can, I can work on my self-confidence too. And it's just the more, the more that we see it, the more it helps. And I, I, I feel like a broken record. This is probably the third time I've said this during this episode already, but the greater the community we can build, the, yeah. the more that we can spread the message, the, the bigger it's going to grow. And I think that's just so important. Validating people's feelings, you know, validating Hey, yeah, you woke up today and you were like, "Oh, I hate how my body looks." Oh, somebody else has it worse. Yeah, but your your feelings are still valid. Yeah, like I don't I don't care who you are. If you come to me and say, "Hey, I'm struggling with this," I will be there for you in an instant, and I'll say, "Okay, what's going on? Rant. Tell me what's on your mind. How can I help? How can I support you?" Because that's the kind of person that. I want to be for people. Yeah. I want to be the person that people reach out to and they're like, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter how invalidated I think my feelings are, I know he's going to be there for me. And that's just, that's just like something that I pride myself on, something that I always try to do. And I feel like you're, you're the exact same way, just from what I, from what I know about I you. I hope and- to, I try to be, that's, that's always the goal, right? Yeah. And it's, it's not always easy as, as we've talked about with anything when it comes to self-love and, and focusing on, you know, being that positive force for yourself. But I think it's just something that's so important. It needs to keep being talked about. No, absolutely. And I think like that you brought up comparing pain, which is just such an easy pitfall. It's like my fatal flaw when it comes to mental health. And I just like, I cannot express enough like how much better off I have been as I've tried to prioritize not comparing pain. I think it's so difficult. It's so hard, but it's also when, when you start to compare, like there's just, there's no fair comparison. And I think as athletes too, it's so hard because that's the name of the game. You know, when you're swimming in a race, you're comparing yourself to the person next to you. Like, am I going to swim faster or are they going to swim faster? When you're in a soccer game, I'm sure, you know, the feeling like, am I going to score more goals or is the other team going to score more goals? Like that's literally the definition of sport and competition is comparing ourselves to others. And it's so hard to get out of that mentality of like, 
constantly comparing. And I think it, it goes for body image too. Like I, I'm not like the typical, like quote unquote swimmer bod. I'm five foot three on a good day. And like that, you know, stereotypical swimmer bod is like tall and lanky and really like long limbed. And like, that's just not the way my body looks. And it's like, it's so hard to not carry over this comparison aspect of sport into body image and mental health. Like it's so easy for me to look at my teammates that are what six feet and, you know, just super lanky and really tall and can reach the wall just easier than I can. Like they can reach the wall if we're standing in the same place and they put their arm out and I put my arm out. Like there's a very clear comparison there. And it's so hard to not, you know, let that carry over into your body image and into your self-worth. It's like, just, that's why I hate the phrase in shape. What does that even mean? Like what, like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you have to measure your training and your, you know, athletic ability by the shape? It doesn't not, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like, not 100%. I I hate that phrase. I deal with the same stuff with soccer because I'm not a stereotypical soccer player in terms of my body type. Literally freshman year, I tore my meniscus. I needed to have surgery. I go in to see the doctor, like the surgeon that's going to perform my knee surgery. And he goes, Oh, football, football injury. You you play like offensive line, defensive line. And I'm like, Oh, actually, no, I'm a soccer player. And he's like, Oh, I just assumed you were full. Cause I'm six foot two. I'm like, at that point I was like 225. Um, but I've just like, I have broad shoulders. I'm a bigger guy, just like my frame. And so yeah. people always just assume I'm a football player. Like nobody ever, unless they know me, they just assume I'm a football player. And it's just like, no, I play soccer. Like bigger guys can play soccer too. And I, I play differently than pretty much every, like back when I was playing forward, I played differently than every other forward that I ever played with because they were always the small, lanky, quick dribblers that would try and beat defenders and I was always just trying to win the ball in the air, hold the ball up and play off to those guys. And it was always just like, I always, we'd do fitness testing and I would just get blown out of the water by everybody. Yeah. And yet I, I like, I could hold my own, like in high school and club when I got to college, like obviously I had knee surgery and that was unfortunate and that caused some other issues. But like before that I could hold my own with anybody but I didn't look like the typical quote unquote in shape player. And it was just, it always, you know, stuck out to me where I was like, Oh, I need to lose weight. Um, But then I, but then I wasn't strong enough and the way that I play, I need to be stronger. And so, yeah, it's just, it's so just like detrimental. And I think this is a great segue, you know, moving from the self-love, the body image into the mental health of athletics and how those kind of things can affect it. Because when we get to, the mental health of athletics, there are these mental blocks. And like, we saw this just this week with arguably not really an argument, the greatest gymnast of all time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. People can make their arguments about talent, whatever. She's the goat. We all know she's the goat. (laughs) She has, I don't even want to know how many moves named after her at this point that the judges literally said, you can't do this move because nobody else in the world can do it. And it's an unfair advantage. Like that is how good she is. And she withdrew from the Olympics and said, Hey, I need to focus on my mental health. She went out there, she tried to compete and she talked to her teammates and she was like, look, I can't compete. If I compete, I'm going to hurt myself because mentally 
I, I just, there's too much pressure. I can't, you know, get over this mental block and the amount of backlash that I've seen on social media, it just frustrates me beyond belief because if she had torn her ACL, everybody would have been like, Oh, that sucks. Like it's nothing she can control. It's just an injury. She'll, she'll work on it. She'll recover. She'll get help and she'll be back. But we need to treat mental injuries the same way as we treat physical injuries, because the amount of comments that I saw on social media that said, Oh, like she should have just, you know, she should have just dealt with it. She should have just pushed through it, competed, whatever, like she cost her team a gold medal. No, you can't just push through that. Like when you get to a point where you have so much pressure that mentally, like you're so anxious, you feel depressed, you feel alone, you feel invalidated. You can't just like snap out of it and be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go compete at the Olympics now. Like, when that happens to me, I can't even like practice well. And I'm a D3 backup goalkeeper. All right. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not the cream of the crop when it comes to athletic talent in the nation, <laughs> but like she's at the top of her game, the top of the world. And, and she can't just push through it. Like, it's not just something that people can get through. And I know this is something that you've been dealing with lately. And I would love to hear kind of your insight on both personally dealing with this and, you know, seeing what has happened with not just Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, um, some other really talented athletes. Serena Williams has done this before where they're just like, I need to take a step back and focus on my mental health because it's just as important as my physical health and I need to take care of it. Yeah, definitely. I've had my fair share of of injuries in, in my swimming career. Uh, when I was 15, I had this horrible back pain and I, after, you know, going to doctor after doctor, finally figured out that I had a herniated disc in my back. Um, and it was one of those things that it was like, it didn't make sense. He was like, wait, but you're 15. It, this doesn't add up. And I was like, well, here we are. And it, it, <laughs> here we are. It was, yeah, no, just, <laughs> whether it should be or not, like, I don't know what to tell you, man, but whether it should be or not. Exactly. And it was degenerative thing it was kind of like this weird fluke um and it was a lot to deal with at age 50 here yeah here's this injury it's never gonna go away like good luck have fun have a nice life and I was super lucky that I was able to be swimming and you know when I was younger I decide had to decide between swimming and ballet and I luckily chose swimming which was low impact enough that I could continue with the herniated disc um I don't even know what I would have done if I had chosen ballet at that point, because I probably would have not been able to continue. But yeah, it was kind of this weird, like mental fortitude game because I was basically told, yeah, your back is going to hurt a lot, but there's nothing you can do in the pool. That's going to make your injury worse. It's going to hurt. It's going to be sore, but it's not like, like you can push it. It's not like you're going to be, you know, worsening your back by pushing off the wall or by pushing through it when you swim butterfly or when you swim any other stroke or things like that. So it's this kind of strange, like I had this weird mentality of like, I, I can push this injury as much as I want to. And I should push this injury as much as I want to. It was a very strange, like mental game to play with. And it was hard that, you know, I was still able to train and I was still able to do all of these things but I was getting slower. I wasn't improving in swimming. So it was like, 
I felt so stuck with it. I was like, I, there's literally nothing else I can do. Like I'm pushing through this injury and I know my doctors have told me it's safe and it's okay, but I'm just here and I'm just sort of gaining time and it really, really sucks. Um, and then finally my senior year of high school was when I sort of, it, something clicked in my brain about how I could mentally get around this, this, you know, plateau that I had hit. And it was just the best feeling ever to finally drop time again. You know, I was being recruited and, you know, this, I had committed to Wesleyan and my coach was super pumped about it because, you know, it meant he was getting a better recruit and, you know, I was super excited about it. And it's certainly been challenging with lifting too. I never really lifted before college and then getting there and, you know, having to work really closely with the trainers about, you know, that was something that I could certainly make my back worse if I wasn't careful enough. So it is, it is a tough, it is a tough thing to, you know, watch your teammates, like adding weight and adding weight and adding weight. And I'm there with the empty bar, just sort of chilling in the corner, but it's also, I've been there. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have, but yeah, it was kind of this funny, like weird mental game I had to play with my back. And then my freshman year of college, I got a shoulder injury that was completely the opposite. It was like, if you push this too much, things are going to get worse. It's going to be a disaster. And it was an overuse injury. It was like very, very typical of swimmers. I went to the doctor this time. And instead of being greeted with the like, what? You're a 15 year old swimmer. And this is what's going on with, oh, got it. You're a 20 year old swimmer. And this is what's going on. So it was, it was a very different experience with that. And I've had a lot of trouble with my shoulder recently, just trying to you know, get through that mental block of like, your shoulder hurts, so you're swimming slow. You know, I've done a ton of work throughout COVID. Like it was kind of a blessing in disguise in some ways that we didn't have pool space because I was able to give the sh- my shoulder a lot of rest and then, you know, not having a lot to, com- you know, train for, not having competition. It's been, I've had the time and the luxury to be able to, you know, focus on my technique and, you know, figure out what exactly was bothering my shoulder and why this was all happening. But I actually had a conversation with one of my coaches this morning and he was like, your shoulder is getting a lot stronger. Like you have the strength to swim faster than you're swimming right now. And you just, your brain won't let you. And he was saying that like, he could see it. He could see with the way I was anchoring my hand in the water and the way I was doing X, Y, and Z. He was like, you should be moving faster than you are but you've gone so long being so afraid of doing something that's going to hurt your shoulder that it's just, it's not happening. And it was kind of like, it's, it's perfect timing that that, you know, realization came this morning because some more to talk about now, but I just, I'm like, it's, it's such a hard place to be, to be like, my body is healing, but my brain is still stuck in this one place. Um, so yeah, definitely working through a lot of that. And I think that definitely goes back to the self-care stuff. It's, it's a hard balance to find of prioritizing an injury, but also, you know, pushing yourself to get better at your sport. Like it's, I don't know. It's always hard. I always feel like if I'm pushing myself at a practice, it's like, Oh, well, this is stupid. My shoulder's just going to be worse off for it. And if I'm, you know, taking some time off or taking it easier to practice, it's like, well, you know, there's no I in team, that horrible saying, like we were talking about before, we have that athlete's mentality and it's, it's so hard to get out of that and just focus on what is really necessary. The crazy thing is 
finding that balance between pushing yourself to come back, but not overdoing it. And that's always been such a struggle for me. Like when I talk about the struggles of like the mental aspect of injury recovery and me and Zoe really dove into this in an earlier episode when we really focused on injuries and athletics, that was kind of our big thing because she's come back from two ACL surgeries. So if anybody knows about that, it's her, but like anytime I get hurt, even if it's just like a minor injury, like an ankle sprain or a pulled groin where it's like, Oh, two, three weeks, like just ice rest, do some stretches, stuff like that. Part of me is like, okay, I need to take this time off. I need to just do nothing, let the body heal. And part of me is like, Oh, if I do nothing, if I just let my body heal, then it's not going to be strong enough. So I need to do these exercises. I need to keep working on it. And then I always end up getting to that point where I'm like, oh, I can, I can practice, I can play again. And then I re-injure it. Yeah. And it's so hard to explain. Yeah. Like it's so hard to put into words that some days you wake up and you're just like, I don't know what to do with my body. Like, I don't know whether I need to go and roll out. I don't know whether I should do like a light yoga session. I don't know if I should try and get on the treadmill or lift some weights. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And it's just like, we just get stuck. You get stuck. And I, I get stuck physically and mentally where this happened after my knee surgery, where I was like, physically after probably four or five weeks, I could like, my range of motion was pretty much back to where it was before. Um, I just started kicking a soccer ball again, like starting to jog on it. And physically I was like, okay, I'm starting to get there. Like my body was telling me, Hey, like you can do this. You're ready for this. But mentally I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't ready to play soccer again. And I had to work on that because I wanted to play soccer. Obviously like it means so much to me. And I'm sure you feel the same way about swimming. Like when you hurt your shoulder, you weren't like, oh, thank goodness. I I get to sit out and recover. Like, no, you want to be in the pool. You want to be swimming. And, but sometimes we just need to, you know, remember that our feelings are valid and that our mental health needs to be placed forth. And I'm actually going to pull a piece of advice from Mary Pat that was actually in response to you in our (laughs) intern chat the other day. And I love this quote. And she said, I realized I couldn't compare my body before and my body after. They're two different bodies with two different abilities. And I may never be able to do some of the things I could before. And I'd never really thought about it that way. And then she said that. And I was like, wow, I wish I would have had that three years ago when I had my (laughs) knee surgery. I really liked what Mary Pat said, too. I'm so glad you brought that up because... I've been, you know, toying with the idea of switching events because in high school, I swim the 200 butterfly. Like it's honestly shocking. I didn't get a shoulder injury sooner. And I've been playing around with my backstroke and my sprint freestyle and some shorter events. And like, it's just, it's so hard to let go of that pre-injury version of yourself. It's so hard to be, you know, it's, it's, you kind of are grieving a loss. You're grieving a loss of this position or event or whatever it may be that you used to specialize in and it you know it was a part of you like I swam butterfly from when I was nine until I was 19 and it's it's really hard to kind of let go of that you know piece of your identity like you know sport becomes so much of your identity and you spend 
hours and hours and hours and you go miles in the pool or, you know, you kick the soccer ball a couple 80 million times. Like, (laughs) oh gosh, if only it was that low. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it's like, it's hard to let go of that. And it, you know, I, I said to my coach the other day, like, I hate the idea of giving up on butterfly. And he was like, why would you phrase it like that? Like, why would you phrase it as giving up on butterfly when it's really just, you know, taking on a new challenge that you can actually be successful in? Like there's, there's no reason for me to keep expecting these things in my body that aren't going to happen. It's just going to be detrimental for me and for my team. And, you know, it kind of goes back to that conversation we were having about Simone Biles. Like people keep saying that she let down her team, that she was being selfish when in reality, like, everyone knows that if it were up to her, she would have been competing and she would have been competing at her best. That was everyone's perfect solution, but that's just not what her body and her brain were had in store for her. And like, I personally think she made such a sacrifice for her team by saying, I'm not able to compete. I'm not able to, you know, do what I need to do for my team. And you guys are, you guys are having the competition of your life and you guys are stepping up and you know, she gave those, those other girls an opportunity to, you know, get that silver medal. And, you know, it's such an accomplishment. And it's like, obviously, if, if she were in control of that situation, if she could just say, I don't want to have a mental illness today, like everyone knows she would have done it. She would have been like, all right, depression, get out of here. Yeah. We all wish it it was that easy. (laughs) If it was that easy, that's what everyone would do. It wouldn't even exist. So it's like, I don't understand this mentality of like, oh, she let her team down. She was being lazy. Like it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, we all understand if it were that easy to just push it aside. Of course she would have. She wants that gold medal. She wants that fame. She wants that, you know, like, everyone wants to be successful. There's no reason that she would have just said like, oh yeah, you know, not feeling it today. Like, see you later guys. Good luck without me. And not to mention she stayed and cheered the whole time. She stayed with her team, even though she knew she was going to get all of this backlash from these people who just don't understand. And she was a better teammate than a lot of us have ever been in that moment. It's so hard to step down and say for physical or mental injury, like my body's not up for it. My brain's not up for it. Like that's such a hard thing to do, especially when you're the greatest of all time and the entire world. is watching. Yeah. A lot, a lot was talked about today. A lot of different topics just bouncing around. If you could maybe just close this out with some general advice, anybody who's dealing with, you know, the mental aspect of an injury or that's dealing with struggling to find self-love to really practice self-care, really just whatever's on your mind, general advice, take us away. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the self-care aspect of it, we talked a little bit about it, but just, just trying not to compare our pain to other people. You know, it, it's part of the reason that I waited longer than I should have to get help and, you know, start talking to my therapist again and starting on my antidepressants. Like it's so easy to think that what you're going through is not as bad as someone else. So it doesn't deserve attention or help. And, you know, self self love is about so much more than just putting on a cute outfit or taking a picture and putting it on Instagram. It's like, it, it really matters more what's going on behind the scenes. And if you can really prioritize that and just, make little changes in your headspace and the way that you go about your day. 
I promise it'll make so much of a difference. Um, and in terms of the injury, like I think, you know, one thing that's really just important to acknowledge is that those secondary emotions are so valid and real, you know, like we often think like, you know, the primary emotion of, ouch, this injury hurts is more important than the, and this injury hurts. So I'm feeling stressed about how I'm going to race this weekend. And I think making sure that we are as athletes and as, you know, our hidden opponent community and just mental health advocacy community, sort of normalizing those secondary emotions and acknowledging that they're there is, is a really big thing that I think we need to improve as just as society, as a community of athletes. Um, and also like, just my final thought would be going back to what Mary Pat said, like your body pre-injury and post-injury is very different. And whether that's in terms of athletic ability, whether that's in terms of your weight, in terms of your, you know, overall body image of the clothes fitting of the clothes, not fitting, like it's, it's reasonable. You shouldn't, your body is going to change throughout your life and having those changes is normal. And sometimes just what your body needs to heal itself. Yeah. Could not have said it better myself. I just want to give a huge thank you to Kelsey for joining us today. I hope everybody enjoyed and don't forget it's a good day to have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.